Good evening and welcome to the podcast. Today we will be talking about the Freedom Act and the Patriot Act. Two acts that I bet you've never heard of, but they deal with the most important thing in United States legislation. Security and privacy of your devices and your information. So, starting today with a website, Senate.gov. January 23rd, 2020, Washington, D.C., U.S. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat, Oregon, today led a bipartisan, bicameral coalition of lawmakers proposing strong new reforms to protect Americans' rights against unnecessary government surveillance. U.S. Senator Steve Daines, Republican, and Representative Zoe Lofgren, Warren Davidson, and Pramila Jayapal sponsored the bill, which is the first comprehensive legislation this Congress to reform, Section 215 of the Patriot Act, and prevent abuses of the FISA. This bill comes ahead of the March 15th expiration of Section 215, which the NSA used to create a secret mass surveillance program that swept up millions of Americans' phone calls. Senator Wyden said something quite true when it came to the privacy of Americans everywhere. Security and privacy are nonpartisan. Your privacy should not be taken away or given to you by one side or the other. The bill that Senator Wyden is proposing with other senators was nonpartisan. Democrats and Republicans alike. I think that's a very important point to make. You should not go looking at this from the perspective of, oh, I'm part of X political party. Oh, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Libertarian. This is your security in the hands of the government. Now, moving into March 9th, 2020, the USA Freedom Act amendments were passed through the House. This bill talks about the reform of the Freedom Act for businesses and personal records. The Freedom Act and the Patriot Act go hand in hand. They both pose questions of security and privacy for individuals. The Freedom Act does deal more with business records, but still deals in personal records and privacy just like the Patriot Act. Uh, The first part of this uh, act that I would like to bring up is section 102, lines 6 to 14. They read 5A, an application under paragraph 1 may not seek an order authorizing or requiring the production of a tangible thing, your property, under circumstances in which a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy and a warrant would be required for law enforcement purposes. B, an application under paragraph 1 may not seek an order authorizing or requiring the production of cell site location or GPS information. All this basically means is they can't request any objects or files when there is not a good enough reason for it. It's called a reasonable expectation of privacy. It further clarifies that further warrants must be obtained to gain access to that information, to your files, your possessions, your location. Your location is protected under this as well. 10B is the second part of this section that talks about how they cannot track you using your cell phone or your GPS systems. There's a clarification under this that states the only time this is allowed is for emergency purposes, which I do think this is a reasonable amendment to this part of the bill. Now, it does not say this outrightly in the bill, but I believe, and you can make of this what you want, that if They are sure something is about to happen threatens the lives of fellow U.S. citizens. They can gain your location through a warrant. 
However, the above lines clarify that they are not allowed to consistently and constantly monitor you. Under section 102, it also says here that the application for the warrant must explicitly state and explain the objects or information needed. No other information shall be obtained without further warrants. It also states that the applications will be rejected outright if the court does not see how the information pertains to the authorized investigation. No information or personal objects may be obtained without an authorized investigation, warrant, and a justified reason. There's also a small clause that talks about retaining business records or the records of individuals for no more than five years unless previously determined by the courts as necessary for understanding counterintelligence or intelligence of foreign entities. The records may also be retained if thought to be evidence of an ongoing crime investigation or needed to protect human life. Or they may also be retained if they are pertaining to the security of the United States. All of the documents kept must have reasons attached to them, otherwise they will be destroyed within five years of obtaining the information. I will say before I continue that there are obviously parts that I'm skipping over right now and not talking too much about because of how much is in this bill. This is a 50 page PDF. This is called the Freedom Act. If you would like to go look at it, it is, it was currently passed through, uh, through Congress. It has not, I'm not sure if it's been passed yet, but I know they were talking about it this week, uh, April, the week of April 21st. It is the USA Freedom Act. Go look it up. It's a very good read. Now, there's also plenty of corrections in this document that I'm skipping over that's simple grammatical and formatting problems in the documents because there's no point in talking about they changed this colon to a semicolon because there is a lot of that in there. Uh, but to continue, in section 202, it deals with US Code 1804 and talks about the needed information and requirements to even apply for a court order or a warrant, and it goes as such. US Code 1804 Applications for Court Orders A. Submission by Federal Officer Approval of Attorney General Contents each application for an order approving electronic surveillance under this subchapter shall be made by a federal officer in writing upon oath or affirmation to a judge having jurisdiction under section 1803 of this title. Each application shall require the approval of the attorney general based upon his finding that it satisfies the criteria and requirements of such application as set forth in this subchapter. These applications, warrants, shall include 1. The identity of the federal officer making the application. 2. The identity, if known, or a description of the specific target of the electronic surveillance. 3. A statement of the facts and circumstances relied upon by the applicant to justify his belief that a. The target of the electronic surveillance is a foreign power or an agent of a foreign power, and b. Each of the facilities or places at which the electronic surveillance is directed is being used or is about to be used by a foreign power or an agent of a foreign power. 
Four, is a statement of proposed minimization procedures. Five, a description of the nature of the information sought and the type of communications or activities to be subjected to the surveillance. Six, a certification or certifications by the assistant to the president for national security affairs, an executive branch official or officials designated by the president from among those executive officers employed in the area of national security or defense and appointed by the president with the advice and consent of the Senate or the deputy director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation if designated by the president as a certifying official. A. The certifying official deems that the information sought to be a foreign intelligence that the certifying official deems the information sought to be foreign intelligence information. B. That a significant purpose of the surveillance is to obtain foreign intelligence information. C. That such information cannot reasonably be obtained by normal investigative techniques. D. That designates the type of foreign intelligence information being sought according to the categories described in section 1801 e of this title and e including a statement of the basis for the certification that i the information sought is the type of foreign intelligence information designated and two such information cannot reasonably be obtained by normal investigative techniques Seven, a summary statement of the means by which the surveillance will be affected and a statement whether physical entry is required to affect the surveillance. Eight, a statement of the facts concerning all previous applications that have been made to any judge under this subchapter involving any of the persons, facilities, or places specified in this application and the action taken on each previous application, and nine, a statement of the period of time for which the electronic surveillance is required to be maintained, and if the nature of the intelligence gathering is such that the approval of the use of electronic surveillance under this subchapter should not automatically terminate when the described type of information has first been obtained, a description of facts supporting the belief that additional information of the same type will be obtained thereafter. Now, all of this import information is very important, and I know there was a lot, because I knew that the FISA warrants were part of electronic surveillance. I did not know all of this extra information that was part of it. Every action must be explained, down to how much time that the surveillance is going on, what type of surveillance is going on, specifically what information are they looking for. Now, there was a new subparagraph that was added under section 104A6 labeled F and is stated as such. With respect to a target who is a United States person, including a statement describing the investigative techniques carried out before making the application, it plainly states all methods must be pre-stated and approved before the application is approved. Now, there's a quick section underneath that that goes into the punishment and laws pertaining to FISA offenses. 
meaning unauthorized surveillance or falsified warrants, uh, plainly states under the U.S. Code 1809 that no individual will conduct surveillance or obtain information without the proper warrants. And any such persons found to be guilty of such offenses shall be fined $10,000 or, or imprisoned for no more than five years, which, because of the amendments, is now eight years. Now, there's one thing that I do find odd in this whole thing, and it's the next subparagraph, that they keep adding one word to the disclosure of FISA applications intentionally. Now, I, I keep wondering at that word because it, they added it at least three times to the subparagraph. And I don't understand how you can intention unintentionally release FISA applications. This is all controlled by the court system, right? There's no way you don't actively think before you say something about a classified application. So why change the wording? Why make the amendment at all? It, the meaning goes from anyone who discloses this information without a warrant is being punished to anyone who gets this information intentionally is being punished under the U.S. Code. And I don't understand why they need to make that distinction. Personally, it makes me question why they're adding it when it was perfectly clear before. I don't have an answer for this, but it does raise the question of why did this need to be added? And what other words were added to previous bills just to change it a little bit to get people out of trouble? Now, pertaining to the court specifically... All hearings must be transcribed under the new amendments and all communications between officers sending in applications and the courts must be transcribed as well. Now, I do think it's a good idea because it preserves the integrity of the court and the integrity of the officers applying. It does also state the identities of the officers must be included in the reports and transcriptions. Now, the additions of specifications and identifications of the officers applying for and utilizing FISA warrants is extremely important because not only does it show why the applications are being filed, it holds them accountable. It shows who is using them and partly prevents them from being abused. Because of the checks and balances systems in place between the courts and the agencies, the most important thing to note in these amendments is the restriction of information obtained. The amendments further restrict the unjustified reach into the privacy of the American people. And knowing all of this information, and not just listening to this, but looking it up for yourself, is important so you can understand how your world and your life can and is being shaped, maybe without you even knowing it. I sure, I sure didn't know about a lot of this. And I'm hoping anyone who's listening will look into this a little bit further. Thank you for listening and tune in soon for more topics. Bye-bye now.